This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. Hello and welcome to a Wednesday Agony Aunt episode of It's Not You, It's Them, But It Might Be You with me, La La La, Let Me Explain. And today is a day that we tackle listeners' dilemmas. And actually, the first one today, I've really learned something. I've never even heard of this before. So let's get straight into it. The first one today says, Hi Lala. So I started with a new personal trainer in the new year. He was pushing me and I said I needed a moment, but he wouldn't let me stop. Meaning I had to explain a very embarrassing secret that only three people know about. I experienced corgasms. However, I've never actually reached full orgasm as I always stop for breaks. I explained this to my PT who laughed away with me as he'd never heard of it. He googled it there and then and said he'd read up on it and is also interested to know how many females he knows experiences the same thing. He also said, isn't it nice though? To which I said, for me, no. It's uncomfortable, gets in the way of workouts and it's embarrassing. He was lovely about it. However, I then maybe felt too comfortable as I asked my two girlfriends if they experienced it too and their replies were either, ew, or that's vile. I'd finally felt comfortable to share this with them after speaking to my PT about it, but their responses just confirmed my feelings of embarrassment. In a world where women support women, I wouldn't have expected such harsh responses. I'm really embarrassed and upset. Have I taken it too personally? Am I alone in this? I had to Google this as I'd never heard of it. A corgasm is an exercise-induced orgasm and it's brought on by the abs and the pelvic floor muscles engaging. And in the stuff that I read, it was described as feeling like a penetrative orgasm for people with vaginas, but without the clitoris throbbing feeling. So for those people who can have orgasms just with penis or like object in vagina, you know, penetrative vaginal alone, then it feels just like an isolated uh, vaginal orgasm but not a clitoral orgasm and for people with penises it feels like a prostate orgasm not a penis orgasm the prostate is in a man's bum and is obviously stimulated by anal sex you're receiving anal sex so it, w- it would feel something like that it would, I don't think it would feel like receiving anal sex just to be clear it would feel like the orgasm that results from that anyway I asked my followers on Instagram about this. I did a little poll and about 10% of people said that they'd experienced a corgasm. And I actually got loads of DMs from people saying things like, I love them. This is why I go to the gym so much. But I feel like in your particular scenario, everyone kind of handle things 
not you, but everyone else in the scenario, handled things quite badly at different points. And I get that it's the PT's job to push you. That's great that he was like, come on, don't stop. But I also think that personal trainers need to take note here because there are loads of reasons why you might need to stop that would actually feel quite personal. You might need to do a poo or fart or wee or something that you actually just don't want to explain. You should just be able to say, oh, I need to stop for a second without them being like, no, carry on and then tell me why. You know what I mean? You shouldn't have to feel that you have to reveal intimate details to anyone to stop them from pushing you to do something. But with that being said, your PT did sound like he handled it fairly well, though asking if it feels nice might be crossing a boundary for some women. But whether it feels nice or not, I'm sure that a lot of people don't want to be coming in the gym. But he was lovely about it. And that's the main thing. And he gave you confidence to share with others. And that's great. But your friends, on the other hand, were absolute dicks about this and I can't get my head around how anyone could think it's vile or like ooh worthy it could well be rooted in envy actually is was was my first thought because far too many women experience the orgasm gap and spend a whole fucking lifetime having completely unsatisfactory sex with minimal pleasure with men so to hear that you're like literally easily orgasming without even trying or even wanting to might have actually given them a sense of jealousy or inadequacy. It's a bit like when some women can be really horrible about squirting. A, a lot of women who, who have never squirted can be a bit like, it's we. Uh, and that can make women who do squirt feel really bad. And actually, sometimes I think that that can come from a place of... Of, of feeling a little bit inadequate when you should never feel inadequate for not squirting, by the way, but that's a whole other conversation. Or never, you should never feel inadequate for any of these things, you know, for not coming easily, for experiencing the orgasm gap. There's no need for you to feel inadequate or for them to. But I'm just wondering if that is what was behind um, their reaction to this, because it's odd. And, and if it is that, then it's, it's stupid, because this is not even a sexual thing. It's not even brought on by sexual thoughts. It's just your body and how it does things. And your friends were just mean and nasty. And it actually just sounds like a real schoolgirl reaction that they've had. You haven't taken it too personally, and you are definitely not alone. And a lot of my followers are really jealous of you. So I think actually what you need to do is just learn to own this. This is something that happens to you. Doesn't mean you need to go around telling everyone if you don't want to. But nobody should be allowed to make you feel embarrassed or that this is something that needs to be some dark, dirty secret. It's absolutely not. It's a thing that your body does. And that's just it. And I hope you can come to a point where actually you start to enjoy it. Okay, the next question for today says... Hi Lala, I have a 12 year old niece, unfortunately I don't live near to her but I do try to keep in touch with her on WhatsApp and FaceTime and I have had her one to one once a year and that is something I'd like to increase. I've shared your content regarding consent and pressure around sexting young girls and showing the personal experiences of individuals as young as 12 and 14 with my sister to try to encourage her to start talking to my niece about these topics. The problem is my sister sees my niece as very innocent and she says she doesn't need to know any of that yet and this isn't her. But I am also aware that now she's in secondary school, the situation could progress quickly and it won't be long before she may feel the pressure to have sex. I've tried explaining to her that education is key and I've sent her resources to help her approach the topic but my sister just is not going to change her mind. Is it wrong for me to approach this topic with my niece myself? Thanks, Lala. Yeah. I think it would be wrong at this point to approach the topic yourself. 
not least, because if your sister finds out, she might actually decrease your auntie time instead of increasing it. And that's not what you want. You said you only spend one-to-one time with her once a year and you want more of that. And I think that if your sister feels that you are intentionally, knowingly breaching her boundaries, then she's not going to be inviting you to have more time with your niece. However, if your niece approached this topic with you, then I think you'd be well within your rights to offer her open, non-judgmental, educational space. Everyone wants to be that cool auntie. I want to, I really hope that in the future my nephew can come to me about things that he can't, you know, and nieces and goddaughters can come to me about things that they can't talk to their parents about. I, I, I would love that. And I think it's really important to be that space. But I think actively going up to her and being like, right, it's time to talk about sex is very different to her saying, auntie, what do you do about this? Or what do you do about that? And that's your main job as an auntie, to make sure that she knows she can talk to you about anything and that you'll give her the facts and the good advice. But you don't need to chase her down to do that. And obviously I live with my son, so I have more opportunities, but I would never just go to my son and say, hey, let's talk about sex today because you're 12 now. Instead, what I do is I take opportunities based on things he says to me. He'll tell me things that people have said or done at school and we'll take, you know, we'll stop and discuss that or we'll watch TV together or movies and something will come up and I'll pause and then we'll use that opportunity to have a chat. It's much more organic and much more natural. And so you may well have things like that that come up. And and in that case, it is okay to have those discussions. I just think approaching her directly would, would not be okay. But every child is different and they all have different levels of knowledge and experience. And the biggest danger to children of her age, or all children actually of any age really, is is online stuff. Uh, The content that they see on TikTok and how to make sense of it all. They all have porn in their pockets on social media, WhatsApp videos that get shared around among class groups. All of this stuff is a factor for pretty much every child who exists in this generation. If your niece has a phone, then she does need education and information about uh, pornography, uh, about grooming, about all of those things that I've just said, because she will be exposed to it. She will have definitely seen it. And I would really hope that she is receiving some of that education in school and that she isn't being shielded from any sex education at all. If your sister is one of those people who's anti-sex education and removing her from sex education classes then firstly, I would suggest sending your sister my way, get her to listen to my sex education podcast. It's one of my very early Monday ones at the start uh, of my series here with Sony. Listen to my Breck Foundation podcast, which is on Lala's old podcast. You can search that out on Spotify. Make sure your sister really understands the importance of education. And actually, if she has been pulled from sex ed classes, then I would think that that gives you a bit more of a license to approach things with her, but with the knowledge that your sister might react badly to that. And I think that you do need to tread very, very carefully and go at your sister's pace if you can, if you know that she's getting access to other education at school and stuff. When she's older, you can be a bit more free with it. You know, when she's 15, 16, then then, then, then I think that it's you, you're more able to just have those conversations and approach her with those conversations. I think at 12, you need to take your sister's lead, um, but just be there for her and continue to be a great auntie who she can trust and feel safe with. And eventually she 
she will start asking you, hopefully, uh, when she's confused or concerned about things. Know that fizzy feeling you get when you read something really good, watch the movie everyone's been talking about, or catch the show the internet can't get over? At the Pop Culture Happy Hour podcast, we chase that feeling five times a week. We talk about the buzziest movies, TV, music, books, and more. From lowbrow to highbrow to in-between, catch the Pop Culture Happy Hour podcast from NPR. There's a lot happening these days. But I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters, without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the 7 most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about 7 minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. And our final question for today says, Hi Lala, I left my child's father over four years ago. He was extremely abusive, emotionally, financially and physically. I called the police after a life-threatening assault and I was able to leave him thankfully while he was in custody. Now I'm 34 and I have no contact or custody issues with his ex. I have a strong urge to have more children and live the perfect family life with another man, but I cannot bring myself to entertain the idea of dating. I know it's not all men. I have friends with wonderful partners and husbands. But how do I justify leaving my child with family to go out and date men who are more than likely going to be losers? Do I even bother at my age? And where do I start? Well done for getting out of that. It is not easy to leave that level of abuse. You've done an amazing thing for yourself and your child. You've created that perfect family life by taking that incredibly strong and brave action. So well done. But let me just say, your age is still so young. 34 is so young. Obviously, if you want more children, then there is a time factor. But there are lots of women having babies well into their mid-40s, many by IVF, but still. And I think, though, before you even think about any of that, it might be a good idea to try to feel like what you currently have is the perfect family life. I know you're a single parent, and I know that that can feel lonely. And it can feel like we're depriving our children of siblings. But this life that you have now is so much more perfect than it would and could have been if you were still with the ex and had had more children with him. This little life is so much more perfect than if you'd had another kid with someone else and that didn't work out. And then you had the worry of thinking about how your older child might feel when the youngest child went to their dad for the weekend. I'm making up potential scenarios here, but I'm just trying to convey that Anything can happen. And then what we envisage to be the perfect life might not actually ever end up being so. It could be a more complicated and far more difficult life. A single parent family with one child that is full of love, with good relationships, with other families, with kids, so that your kid can socialise, maybe go on holidays with other families and their kids. You know, it's just as perfect as a 2.4 children household with a husband and a dog. And in fact, getting a dog might feel like another addition to the family that makes you feel more complete. I don't know. When we got a dog, it really felt like that. It felt like our little family was complete. But just always remember that the grass isn't necessarily greener and that working on being content and finding joy in what you have really is always the first step. 
Though having said all that, it is still totally normal and valid to want to find love and to think about having more children. And it's not at all impossible to do that. Have you actually asked any of your friends if any of their wonderful husbands have single friends that they could set you up with? Because that is a good start. That is a good way to kind of think about, well, actually, I'm already going off the basis that I know that they're not absolute losers. And presumably you may, well, you wouldn't necessarily know that they definitely weren't abusive people. But if they're friends, husbands, then maybe they know how their last relationships went down. I don't know. It's a good way of doing it if, if people you know have got single friends. Aside from that, dating apps are probably going to be the best bet for you. I know I talk shit about dating apps all the time, but they really aren't all bad as long as you are using them correctly, knowing the red flags, being really cautious when you're on them. I'm going to recommend my book here because I did literally write it for this very reason. I made a ton of mistakes after starting on dating apps as a single, newly single parent, long-term relationship. I went out into them and just made mistake after mistake. I was so naive. So this book was literally written for people like you who are like, how do I meet someone and how do I do it safely? Obviously, I think it's the greatest dating book of all time. It's called Block, Delete, Move On. You can find it at all good stockists. And I would really, really recommend you reading that uh, before you go onto any dating apps because I think it would help you on the apps. In terms of you not wanting to waste child-free time on losers, I mean, there's really no guaranteed way of doing that. But getting to know someone, taking it slow is, is, is the first, you know, most important thing. And having like FaceTime dates to start with. Have a few proper dates in on video calls, you know, and the right person is absolutely going to be okay with wanting to do that first. And if you've established on those video calls that you get on and that they're not seemingly a loser, then you might feel comfortable with using a bit of your child free time to go and hang out with them. And it is definitely worth bothering. You know, if you want it, go out and get it. It's really not all men. It's a enough that we need to be cautious when dating though clearly and I think it might be worth you reading there's two books that I'm going to recommend Pat Craven the freedom program book and why did he do that by Lundy Bancroft if you feel able to read those books and they're books about domestic abuse and they really look at the characteristics and behaviors of abusive controlling men and I think that those will remind you about those red flags and and might put you in that good position of being like oh yeah I remember this oh I remember that I'm not saying that in a triggering way but so that you can go out there and be like yeah very clear that if that pops up I'm, I'm I'm walking away it's important to date for green flags so whatever you do take things slowly and if there's not an abundance of green it ain't worth your time and there we go three dilemmas what have we had today corgasms Talking to your niece about sex when their parents don't want you to. And moving on after abusive relationships. Lovely little range there today. And of course, we will be talking about one of them on my page. So get involved. Give your answers, your experience. Help one of these people out. Have a great Wednesday. La la la, let me explain. This has been a Sony Music Entertainment production.